Okay, it's recording now. <laughs> yeah, recording in progress. Shit, I just put way too much rum in this lemonade. No. Did you put anything else in it? Like uh, simple syrup or no, just, just rum and lemonade? Just rum and lemonade. I love that. That's awesome. Um, I'm drinking rosé right now. I was really, I stayed up too late. <laughs> I stayed up too late last night until like 1 a.m. Uh, watching Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares. The best. Um, the I, absolute best. I've seen almost every episode um, and I just keep coming back to it because it's so sad because some of these people like have to take out like another mortgage on their house to save their business. But it also like shows you like how most people just do not know how to run a business. No. Yeah. He, watching watching Succession painful. has made me really interested in business. It's incredible. And most people don't know what they're doing <laughs> and like right. kind of kind of making it up as they go along and uh it's just like fascinating, like how many people just like run businesses and they like absolutely can get away with doing like the most shady shit, like being like absolutely, uh, you know, stupid. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I love the way I love the color that you painted your nails. Thank you. I went to the nail salon yesterday because I had a crazy week at work. It was just like so stressful and um god me too <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know I was like when does the pain end like when will the suffering be finally put to an end but it just it won't it, no it no. just it will never stop it truly will never stop so I was like I'm just gonna go to the nail salon and the lady painted oh she I got extensions but she made them way too um short um because I think she was like trying to like save time like I don't know but it was fine it was it's totally a good fine. color for no, you it, it is a good color and then I think it ended up coming out like really good because it has it's like this purpley brown color and it looks different in different lightings it has like kind of like this 80s feel a little bit right um yeah the camera is making my fingers look really chunky, but I swear my fingers are like skeletons in real life. Like I'm, they don't look like oh, right. I'm, I'm getting Isma <laughs> vibes. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, seriously, my fingers literally are like I have like the physique of like a uh, a skeleton that like you hang over a tree during like Halloween. Right. So that's like Tis I can never. Season. Yeah, that's why I could never be a dancer because I just like look like a dead body, being like I've like I have long arms, so I just like flail essentially. Um, you could learn. You could get yeah. the, the 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 flow of it probably eventually. Yeah, I, I'm trying to work on my like upper body uh, muscles because I just don't the have- grace. Yeah, the grace. I don't have any like biceps or anything going on. So I'm trying to like lift some weights or something because I just right. I literally look like a corpse. Like so mm. from from the like uh, t- uh torso up. So um but yeah. Can we get started? Yeah. On, on what we what we're here to talk <laughs> about. Talk- Do you have any so yeah, any thoughts or uh feelings on like BMA uh slash Met Gala um, <laughs> tomfoolery um, yeah <laughs> I loved Kim Petras at both events mm-hmm. I thought she 
really captured the vibe. Yeah, I like her. She seems really fun to like hang out with and she just has a nice vibe. And also like not only does she have like a fun uh, public presence, she has legitimately an incredible voice. Um, right. Which you, <laughs> which you, like oftentimes it's either or, yeah. you know, but she seems to be like the whole package. And I, I mm-hmm. feel like she is a pop triumph. Mm-hmm. because you know she grew up in like Germany like yeah. be like oh my god I love all these pop stars like I'm gonna be that one day mm-hmm. all these female pop stars and then like now she's doing it and it just like it it feels like the the full circle of the cult of mm-hmm. like of diva you know yeah that you start she started off as a fan and now she yeah. is a diva herself like it feels very full circle and I love her yeah, it's like a win for someone like Kim Petras is like a win for all of us because we're all kind of like huge pop fans. Exactly. Um, yeah. But so I didn't watch her performance. Did, did is she like a dancer? What does she do? Like, does she do like choreography? Or she's like, you know, yeah. Like, I well, mean, it's like yeah, it's standard choreography. Yeah, I guess is yeah, how definitely. I describe it. Yeah. She she like um like you know, hops around and like looks pretty. We love that. We really do. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I I mean, honestly, like I just want the show. I want the drama. Absolutely. I loved her. uh, Was that a, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce any of these names. Anyway, I like her horse dress that Mm -hmm. she wore. (laughs) That was fun. I liked that was That was like, she should have been at camp. Like Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. She Um, got the assignment and she 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 understood it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also a horse, like horse girl, like horses are very, it's, it feels very like American, mm-hmm. like a horse girl just feels like a very American thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, uh, I only watched uh, little, little Nas X and uh, Normani's performance. Cause like, I just like, those are the one, like the, the two pop stars I really care about. And mm-hmm. um, I really liked uh, Lil Nas X's performance he's so cute he's just fun to like look at he and is so cute so adorable and fun <laughs> and funny so I really like that but I Normani's performance like was like really important and symbolic for me because she is like a classically trained dancer like ever when she came out with a single motivation in 2019 she was like you know like performance is kind of a lost art there are a lot of people who are performance-oriented artists, but I feel like she really is a performer with a capital P. Like, I saw her in at Lollapalooza in 2019, and her body literally just, like, pops off the stage. You can feel her energy. Um, and um, it was really, at the end, like, it was very symbolic for me when she was, like, grinding up against Tayana Taylor, because Tayana Taylor is also um, has been like day one. She was a Tayana Taylor was a choreographer for Beyonce's 2006 uh, Ring the Alarm music video. She, you know, was picked up by um, Kanye. And to me, it was like sort of uh, a nod to uh, like the dancers and people who, you know, are sort of more performance oriented artisans and athletes. Um, So I really liked that a lot because like people like Tayana and Normani are like athletes to me. Um, They just have amazing bodies and like their performance just like their bodies just like pop off the stage. 
Is Normani ever going to release like a new album or anything? Well, here's my thing. My suspicion is like a lot of artists are having like, I'm sure like contracts uh, issues because no one expected the pandemic to happen. So a lot of, uh, you know, agencies have kind of postponed and this is happening in the movie industry as well. A lot of, uh, you know, you know, production has just been postponed like years down the line because they're trying to make as much money as possible. But now the sort of economic landscape is changing and people aren't buying. So, yeah, I just feel like her album was supposed to come out in like 2020 or something. But now it's probably never going to happen. I just feel so so bad for her because she seems like she doesn't get enough PR, like she's having some issues. She does. uh uh, commercial endorsements but we I think she's just like very under being very underserved like wherever you know whoever is working to re- represent her is just underserving her so much um but yeah I mean I didn't really I didn't really watch anything else like I mean uh award shows are kind of outdated at this point they, re- they really are <laughs> nobody cares no one it's cares sad. It's very sad because I feel like there should be some kind of like gathering of the girls and, you know, rewarding (laughs) people who have done well in the past year. But um, it's just really decentralized. Um, You may as well have like an Instagram live for your own. Like, Let's look back on the year. (laughs) Right. Because like there's no like standard of like this is what is good yeah there's not a symbolic arena by which we can all like join hands around and understand like oh yep this is good um but i mean my wheels were kind of like turning about this this week because like obviously like yes like everyone looks like dog shit at the met gala like rich people don't have any taste like we know this um this is something obviously that can make people like very sad and cynical, but I honestly am very energized by this fact. And I feel like whenever I see like rich people dressing up as like medieval demented jesters, I'm like, Oh, like it's now time for people like us who like know what good art is to take the reins and show people what good craftsmen and artisanship is. Um, right. There's no now, way to put up. Yeah, and there's no literally there's nowhere to go but up. The expectations are so low at this point. And so um, it just makes me really happy whenever I see rich people looking like shit because I'm just like, oh, thank God. I, you know, now's the time you know, for the, the people to really have their moment. So, <laughs> yeah. One hopes that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But- Who's really to say, watch this space, as Rachel yeah, Maddow <laughs> likes to say. Okay, is that is that why people say that's a Rachel Maddow thing? Watch this uh, space. Yes. What, yeah. What's the, wait, what is that? Why does she say that? Whenever she like cuts to commercials, she says, watch this space. Ew. <laughs> to really build up the suspense. God, I hate her so Ew, much. That's horrible. Watch the space. Oh my God. No, get out of here. It's horrible. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, no one looks good at the Met Gala. Um, everyone looks horrible and like is equally as <laughs> like laden with athleisure as we are. So I've been really into like uh fashion and like clothes like lately. Um, like whenever I, I don't like uh, like this every store I go to is like the same high-waisted jean that like makes me look like I'm inside a sausage casing 
So right. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to like look for, I've been, because of this, I'm like, I've been really into kind of archiving like fashion and like beyond Pinterest and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I liked um, that Kim Kardashian was like a black orb staring at us all. <laughs> yeah, I kind of really liked that look. It really like shook me and exactly. I was like, oh, this is the, it's like the event horizon. Like it's the black hole we're all stepping into. And yes. If, if you touch her, like you get like warped into her like body. Right. Yeah. Like we all had to contend with Kim Kardashian's presence yeah at the mat I also I'm wondering how she's doing because just with all the Kanye stuff in the press I can imagine that you just don't want your face to be seen I don't know I heard that they're trying to get back together uh I can see that definitely I can totally see that working even when the news broke that they were getting divorced I'm like I don't know like they just seem like so actualized in their own separate careers like it just they're too way too powerful to not be right together. so right. even even if they're not like quote unquote uh together together um they're still going to be entangled and connected uh fine obviously financially in some way and culturally so um it's yeah it seems like things are going well i think she looked great her body looks amazing <laughs> As per uh, usual, yep. <laughs> Maddie, I just started the timer because I oh, totally yeah. forgot that we didn't start a timer. Uh, okay, cool. I would have, to- <laughs> I would have totally forgot as well. I, yeah, definitely. Okay, hooray. Um, should we just like dive into the? Um, uh, yeah. So before we dive into like the movies, I have um an article I wanted to read an excerpt from. Um, that yes. really touched me. Um while we're on the topic of like uh things being so decentralized and every product you buy being an arm for your own like instantaneous gratif- instant gratification like to the point where my couch literally has a usb port in it um <laughs> i uh read this um article uh in documentjournal.com by dean kissick um oh, really love yes love him huge fan um and it really touched me and he was kind of articulating um how we've lost uh, the act of anticipation like there's nothing to really anticipate anymore because everything's sort of an arm for instant uh pleasure and has thus become sort of neutralized um but he's in the article he's talking about uh 2008 um and kind of you know the falling out of you know the global financial um crisis um and he says uh so what happened in 2008 and why have our um he talks obviously about like sex and um like Mm -hmm. you know physical pleasure um he says it was a year marked by both the stress of the global financial crisis and an influx of new services and technologies engineered to transform our relationship with desire the year before the first iphone came out in 2008 facebook released its mobile app and exploded in popularity instagram followed in 2010 Pornhub was launched in 2007. Tinder on September 12, 2012. Beckoning Tinder's been around that (laughs) that long. I know. I remember when I started using it was uh, 2012 because that's when I graduated high school and I went to college and I started using it. 
um, wow, horrible, horrible app. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Tinder on, uh, in 2012, uh, beckoning in a new era for sex and intimacy validation on demand with the accompanying dopamine hit now separated from mm. the carnal and the physical in the years since these products flooded the market, old pleasures such as sexual connection and social interaction have been replaced by un- by an unceasing Pavlov Pavlovian flow of pings and notifications that hijack the gratification seeking part of our brains. They encourage us to abandon biological pleasures in favor of new virtual pleasures to nod gently off into what Frederick, Frederick Nietzsche foresaw in Thus Spoke Zara, uh, Zarathustra in 1883, the meaningless nihilistic decadence of the last man. What is love? What is creation? What is longing? What is a star? So asks the last man and blinks. We have discovered happiness, say the last man, and they blink. Um, and yeah, I thought that was very prolific and sort of articulated the um the the present uh, sensibility um and he goes on to kind of uh talk about there's uh you know the, the desire is the anticipating and the act of imagining pleasures mm-hmm. and um you know sometimes i feel like you know what we're uh, approaching is sort of maybe uh an incentive to not be imaginative um, because you're more encouraged to uh, act instantaneously. Um, so I don't know, really good article, documentjournal.com. Um, really, it's saved really good. on my, I have the tab pulled up on my, on my phone. Yeah. I've been meaning to read it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll read like kind of like the very uh, last um paragraph um he goes on to say now i hope for if not a new summer of love a summer of desire of passion so here's my trend Mm. forecast there's going to be a lot of ecstasy going around lately i've noticed more ecstasy pills in the states i think people will be taking ecstasy in the street in koreatown listening to terrace trance drinking cocktails from bags flashing (laughs) with led ice i've seen a lot of crop tops in soho on men and on women i think there'll be a trend of wearing almost nothing like half naked three quarters naked more drinking in the parks and down on the boardwalks on long hot summer nights i think we'll see more dolphins in the east river it's already happening i don't want to write anymore i want to go outside they say you should never have what you desire but every day i ask myself what do i want in this life my greatest fear is to have lived with too little too little abandon and that when i look back on my life i'll feel i've wasted so much of it and held too much inside Mm. um so yeah great article <laughs> great article um yeah everyone should read it um obviously it, and that was only like two paragraphs but um it's really long and i really enjoyed it um but yeah i'll link it in the bio yeah link in bio um but yeah i really <laughs> uh i really liked that because um yeah i think obviously what we're seeing is sort of a lack of imagination sometimes and it's kind of like hard to articulate like you don't know if like we're um you know approaching uh, the the end of ideas or the end of uh anticipation and uh being uh, patient about things and letting yeah yeah, and (laughs) uh, allowing ourselves to kind of commit to something that's long term um like aesthetically and like politically um socially uh, so all these all these things kind of like tie together, um, but yeah, I don't know. 
some food for thought, but yeah. <laughs> right. Like the, the ability to like constantly like keep trying and like fail failing is kind of like going to the wayside. Yeah. People are very uh, easily, um, uh, people become very uh, cynical very quickly. Um, exactly. And yeah, I just don't think that's a way to be, but I feel like people, uh, you know, encounter like the cynicism so easily because we've sort of been bred to expect that everything should be handed to us um, with little to no, uh, you know, time in between. Um, so in that sense, yeah, the act of anticipating something, you know, coming towards us is like essentially not, there's not a language around that. Um, so, but I feel like this, we, yeah, this, this brings us into our next, uh, our, our main topic of, should we today. talk about whiplash? <laughs> um, I right, let's talk about fame first because this is actually a good movie and I was so good. It's really, really sweet. Okay, so I know like obviously this is a movie about um, a performing arts school. You know, they kind of the movie kind of checks all the boxes in the way that movies do today, where like they um, talk about all of the like uh, socioeconomic uh, a- adversities that every single student goes through, like. Uh, Leroy can't read who's a dancer the Russian girl gets an abortion <laughs> yes. like blah 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 like we know but it's actually really painful and mm-hmm. really sad like I felt so bad for like the little ginger kid who's like coming out as gay oh, <laughs> yes he was so cute he was so sweet and literally it really every single one of these characters they really tug at your heartstrings um and you just don't see that with um, movies today when you see oh. characters uh, suffering from adversity. And I don't know, because I, I really saw these characters as someone that w- was like so different and like not me. It made me like really sad, like just every single one of the characters. So obviously it's about, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> I just have a lot of. <laughs> okay, no, you, you can, you can, you can talk about it. <laughs> I mean, uh... Yeah, like it's all exemplified how different the original is to the remake that came out in 2009. Yeah. Because if you watch the remake that came out in 2009, it's so like mechanical and mm-hmm. very just like clean. And I, I don't know, this this 1980, right? This came out in 1980. It just like has like a very like <sighs> rawness to it. Yeah. That, the 2009 one did not have, but God, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unresolved. Like there's so much uh, in this story that's just unresolved. And um, we're just seeing these uh, stories as they are. And the stories are not really like moralized in any way. You're really left with a lot to uh, (laughs) like think about because so many of the stories don't really tie together and no one's really, um, no one really wins in the end or is satisfied um because because it's a coming of age story and it's very much like how life is like the way that the the way that they progress through the years of freshman sophomore junior senior like even in senior year like you know they've gone through this journey at PA and then 
all of a sudden they're starting to expose themselves to the professional world. And like mm-hmm. Irene Cara's character, mm-hmm. you know, goes to that audition, that screen test where she then like, you know, exposes her breasts. <laughs> yeah. And like, just, and, and Ralph Garcia, like he, he, he's, he, he's tasting the, the success of being a comedian. And then he gets like caught up in the illusion of being a, a famous actor mm-hmm. and then his alcohol addiction, you know, and his fear of failure starts to creep in and ultimately brings him down, you know? Yeah. And coming of age stories should be painful because it's your transition into young adulthood, which is ultimately really like difficult and sad and um, hard. And uh, yeah, life uh, obviously is not like, uh, you know, I I really liked how like uh, it kind of was realistic in, in the sense that the the teachers and both the teachers and the parents like take it so seriously when it's like they're just kids you know like right I, I really liked that how like all the teachers are, like very self serious and take their work really seriously and like the parents are really into it but like at the end of the day like they're just children they're literally teenagers like who knows if they're going to like go off and like do this in the working world and like the important thing is that like they're when you're at like some kind of like performing arts school or whatever in in your high school years, the important thing is you're um, well socialized and you're um, you're gathering with your peers that are your age and um, you know like you understand kind of community and like socialization. So that that's really yeah. like, the best. <laughs> that's really the point of it. Yeah, and like um, and you and you see in like Doris's fascination with that one guy who like is going to go to Hollywood mm-hmm. and be like a, an actor. And then like years later, like when they're juniors or seniors, she like sees them and he's a waiter. And yes. it's, it's almost like they're like being confronted with like the, the downside of what going for your dreams can be like. Yeah. It's kind of like, encountering hopelessness for the first time Mm -hmm. and deciding if you want to kind of press through which you basically have to you know no matter what you're doing in your life or you know if you want to like be like um you know fall into addiction and your own solipsism um so yeah and that way it was very profound and also it this movie is kind of haunting because it is made in 1980 and the AIDS crisis was in 1983. And the actor who plays uh, Leroy uh, was HIV positive. Yes. And um, didn't obviously didn't, well, he died of a stroke actually in um, at 41. Um, it was really interesting because I think he's supposed to be straight in the movie, but it's very obvious that he's gay. Right. Yeah. He yeah. does have a lot of homosexual undertones going yeah. for him. Good for him. No, he looks great. Yeah. He's really, really cute. Um, and oh my gosh. I, but I feel like the actress, that actress that really carried this movie um, was Irene, who plays Coco. Oh, yeah. Um, so apparently she 
actually is the vocalist who sings the flash dance song like the maniac maniac you know that song like, that, <laughs> yeah that's her that's her voice and she has an amazing voice when shoot the scene when she was playing the piano and like singing yeah out here um, on my own she i mean not only is she like gorgeous has an incredible like different and like beautiful look but she really has an amazing voice um so i really loved that because that, that she's very talented um uh, vocalist um but yeah i definitely yeah this is a great movie i don't know what i was expecting i guess i was sort of expecting it to be like a corny like we're in a performing arts it's like exactly. it really kind of wasn't even a musical per se it was uh you know like just like a movie with some songs in it um but there's and... a musical out there of fame yes like <laughs> yeah there is oh there is there is <laughs> i've never listened to it i i don't know my cousin was in in a production of it and i remember like listening to the soundtrack <laughs> she like burned it for me like <laughs> when CDs were a thing yeah. and I I used to listen to it like religiously there's some good that's, stuff on that's there cute. yeah I don't know anything about the musical and while I was watching it my fiance was like singing all the songs like he's like because he was in it and when he was in high school and then he was like oh and this is where we would sing this song and I was like what yeah. is happening um, yeah there, there was a really great song for the graduation scene mm-hmm. it was like bring on tomorrow <laughs> that's cute that is really cute i love that because because the irene cara coco character she dies in the musical oh shit oh my god yeah and so then like they're like this one is for whoever i don't i don't know what her name is in the musical but like then like they sing it and it's like bring on tomorrow (laughs) oh my gosh that's so sad um I know yeah. the musical is really dark. It goes there. Yeah. I mean this movie goes there too. But yeah. I mean going, I mean, going to art school is like if any kind is like really dark and like exactly. Know, well, it like, like it pits the real world at you like way too quickly sometimes. Exactly. Cause <laughs> well, because like they have to like destroy you basically mm-hmm, to then yes. build you back up. Yeah. to be able to like apply yourself to any kind of character yeah or any kind of adversity you may face in your life beyond art school like right I, mean, I was I mean obviously like I, I went to theater school and I was like beaten down like so badly I mean not in the like a morally bad way but um, like my professors had extremely high expectations of me and Good. I had, yeah. And I had to, it was up to me to follow through and deliver. And if I fell short of any of those expectations, I, you know, was made to feel shame, which was ultimately really, really beneficial for me because, you know, I came out the other end, you know, basically you know ball busting and able to take on kind of any criticism thwarted against me I don't care I've literally you know you know ha- been beaten down so poorly but badly like in a good way um in art school that you know I'm able to kind of to face any sort of like adversity um of any kind um so I think that's the, the really the appropriate uh, approach in my mind right. to art school I always remember my acting professor would always say, like, 
the acting exercises that we do would be like therapy, but they're not, they're not therapy themselves. Like, but that's kind of what it feels like is like you're in therapy. Yeah. And whenever you fall short of a performance or you miss a line or you like fuck up, you know, they tell you they're like, you drop the ball and it's your fault and you should feel bad about it. Um, You know, they don't like spoon feed you like all of this, like, you know, all compliments and praise. And if they are like, you should leave that art school. Because like, they're not, they're not preparing you. No, they're not preparing you for the real world to like get fired from multiple jobs. And, you know, they're, you know, they have high expectations of you um, and want to make you into like a strong, thick skinned person. Um, I, so I do have one story about one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. in uh, theater school that actually, mm, I don't know if it was really uncalled for for this professor to do this. But anyway, um, I was in this class and I was with all up- upperclassmen. I was the youngest person in this class. It was um, like an audition class. And um, one day we had to come in with a song to sing in front of the whole um, class. Um, totally normal. I've done it before a million times. I'm completely fine with singing it in front of people. Um, but there was some miscommunication on how to assemble your sheet music. So I had my sheet music in a binder, just like everyone else. Um, but they did say something about putting it in a manila folder and like taping it in there in a certain way. So I actually took my, I wanted to be better and I wanted to take, you know, the, (laughs) I wanted to go the extra mile to impress these professors. So I took my music out of my binder, put it in a manila folder. And when it became time for me to sing, I went up there and I told my professor who was playing the piano, like, hey, just so you know, like I did this extra thing. Um, And I guess there was some miscommunication about what the expectation was. And the professor um, turned around, addressed the whole class and said, hey, guys, can I be the bad cop for a moment? And everything went quiet. And then he turned to me and said, "Uh, Maddie, um, you're not allowed to sing unless you have your music assembled right. Go up to your dorm room and paste your music correctly into the folder like what was expected from you and come back down when you're prepared and I was kind of in shock because I just was like confused and everyone was silent Mm -hmm. so I was like oh okay so I you know so this gets worse so I um, start to leave the classroom and everyone's looking at me and it's silent Um, so I'm like okay whatever as I'm leaving right before I reach for the door Um, I slip and I fall on my ass in front of the whole (laughs) class and it makes this huge like boom like like (laughs) sound and everyone's like whoa are you okay oh my gosh like blah 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 blah. I'm like I'm fine of course like I'm just like it's okay it's okay like I'm fine (laughs) and I leave And as soon as I leave the classroom, I immediately start crying. I'm like bawling. I go up to my dorm room, get my shit together. I come back down and I have to sing part of your world from the little mermaid with tears tears in my eyes. My face is red. It was just so, excuse me. It was so embarrassing. (laughs) Um, But after that moment, you know, nothing can bring me down. So (laughs) truly you have such a great perspective and like context, Maddie. Now I I know. Oh God, that was horrible. It was so rude (laughs) of that teacher to do that. 
Um, but but honestly, like now you're in a better place. I really you, am. And now you have that experience to like learn from. He was he was your own personal Fletcher. I know he really was. And um, but I mean, I've had other moments like that where it definitely was deserved. Like either I wasn't prepared for a class or. I forgot a couple lines. Oh, there was a tech, right. there was a tech rehearsal where I cried in front of the whole, like two professors and my whole cast because a lot of the actors in the show did not memor- memorize their lines very well. And we were in tech rehearsals. Um, so our professor, you know, basically you know, screamed at us and, you know, said that like, we're actors like this is what we do and you didn't do it <laughs> I just like fucking balls in front of like the the hot lights on me and I'm just like Bleh. you know but I'm forever grateful for that for sure um but yeah it's just so funny <laughs> and it's and it's really weird because like in fame like there really wasn't a scene like that would you agree yeah there really wasn't a scene like that I think it was um definitely not with like the music and the theater kids it was more like about uh, the like dance ha- the kids. dance well because dance i mean talent well yeah dance talent is really undemocratic you either have it or you don't um right and it's really structured and centralized there's you know not a lot of like dan- i don't i don't really know a lot about dance but it's like there's not a lot of dance theory you know like it's not really theoretical, like it, especially if you're mm-hmm. like a ballerina or something, you want to do that. So, um, but also, I mean, on the other hand, like it's kind of it's high school. It's not that big of a deal. Like they're just right, because <laughs> right, like there's that scene with like the dance teacher and Lisa and the mm-hmm. dance teacher just constantly getting on Lisa for like not sweating hard enough. Yeah, it's like what just let her run around and it's just like she'll be fine um, right and then and and then the film like makes it leads us to believe that like lisa's gonna kill herself but then like <laughs> lisa's like oh like i'll just become an actor or a singer yes. like, i have so much to fall back on exactly that's amazing oh. uh, when i was uh taking uh i took ballet one and two in college and our professor was like a genuine like Russian asshole oh, and that sounds amazing it was incredible because he was really funny as hell and anytime we would um you know do a combination for him uh he would like turn off the music and like put his head down and start walking and he would just <laughs> and just laugh at us <laughs> anytime yeah. it was so funny it was the best like he really was such a great uh ballet teacher because he would just be like if you just did it wrong you could tell immediately so he would just laugh mm-hmm. at you he'd be like no and then he would kind of like talk to you like in a very like uh, patronizing way he'd be like okay we're gonna do this slow for you we're gonna do one two like very slow um but yeah that was it was a lot of fun uh, to do those classes but yeah, definitely. I mean, art school is like, I mean, if you're, if you go to college for any kind of humanities other than art, I, my perspective is that it seems like it's a lot of paperwork, but I think right. when you go to an art school, it's more like, it's a lot of footwork. You have to be on your feet and it's like more, a lot, very physically demanding. Um, and, and like memorization type stuff. 
you have to memorize, you have to be humiliated. You have to be like on your feet for hours at a time. And, um, you have to like contemplate your own existence and, um, obviously like I can only imagine like what do com like communications majors do? Do they just like write papers or like? <laughs> I mean, I think like they give speeches. I yeah, guess. yeah. I think that yeah, they do. They do that. But um, I was always like, oh, like what do? I don't think it's the same as like burying your your soul. Like, trying, yeah, trying to take on an- another person. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah. If it's necessarily that. This film did make me miss like doing acting exercises. Like. <laughs> I miss like just like laying on the ground and breathing. It is re- it is really helpful. I had and- a uh, voice and movement class. My uh, theater professor taught it, and it basically was two hours dedicated to just warming up, oh. <laughs> stretching. See, and that's your grade. Like, yeah, that's so nice. It really no, it really is helpful because at the end of the two hours, you're like, oh shit, I actually do feel a lot better because um, he would tell us about like he had this contract where he had to be an advisor for a national tour of rent. And the actor who played Roger would just like be like talking to his mom and shoving a Subway sandwich into his mouth like five minutes before going on to perform. And he like basically like redid everything as far as like the process and all of the artists, you know, warm warm up process and what the expectations were physically. Um, And it made like such a world of a difference. And also I like those classes because there's always one person that falls asleep. um, Right. (laughs) Well, what they don't tell you when you like go to theater school is like, like if you're mentally ill, like you're not gonna be the best actor. And it's like and Stella Adler has that quote that's like yeah. the act like the actor first must work on their mind before they mm-hmm. can like I'm I'm paraphrasing and like yeah. to- totally misquoting, but like she has this like line where she's like, you have to like work on your mind before you can do anything else. Cause it's like if the actor is just like constantly stuck in their mind, like they're not gonna be able to like give themselves over to sorry I just like hit my mic Um, (laughs) they're not gonna be able to like give themselves over to a character Mm -hmm. definitely um I just loved like those classes where like we had this one assignment where we basically had Shakespeare monologues to memorize and we had to basically do them lying down standing up walking back and forth um and then I mean, they're every single time they're like, there would always be like one person we'd be like doing breathing exercises. And then you just start hearing snoring really, really loud. <laughs> that was the best. Cause it really does like your breath and your, uh, your mind and your body are really, you know, one tool and instrument. Exactly. And when yeah. you, when you use it correctly, you can be really, it's nature's way of like calming yourself and, you know, not getting too stressed out. And I mean, I've also have, have had uh, theater um, teachers and therapists that have said that this, that it's literally um, nature's uh, gift that you can uh, utilize your breath in this way to give yourself sort of almost like a, a, a drug, uh, you know, simulation where you feel like very relaxed. And I've been working on it ever since. Exactly. <laughs> <Simulate>. <laughs> My uh, my theater professor Scott Stackhouse 
he said like the best thing that any like artist can have is like a ritual for themselves. Like if oh, it's yeah. just like laying on the ground, you know, breathing or like, you know, you do working out or like mm-hmm. whatever yeah. it is, like just like the time for you is important yeah. for any artist. And I've yeah. taken that with me ever since. Yeah, you have to really um, like care about your um, instrument because a lot of people don't realize their own kind of physical p- potential. Like it is so mind over matter. Like people don't realize like the human body has so much potential to be transformative and, um, you know, able to go beyond the bounds of what you can imagine that your body can do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, why warming up is like, I should probably do some breathing exercises before work or something. <laughs> <'Cause I can laughs> use exactly. <that. laughs> Just to like prepare yourself to like yeah, yeah, yeah. really like pilot the Ava. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. I feel like download myself into my little uh, robot. Or yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God. But okay. So how did you like whiplash? What, what, I've never seen it before. So um, I really, I, I liked it. I mean, uh, the second time, like <laughs> watching it, like yeah. it's a lot. I felt I found it a lot slower than the mm-hmm. first time I watched it, but I it made me <laughs> so like I played clarinet for like a year and a half in middle school. Yeah, and like it really did. <laughs> it like reminded me of the trauma that I have of like having to wet my reed. <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't think I like it just like really and like having like the 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 like the conductor call me out to like do a playing thing like I could never do that again like it's so it's so bad oh gosh yeah I played the cello for like 10 years of my childhood and it's insane like I mean obviously musical talent like you just cannot replicate like anything you really have to work at it and yes um, you have to dedicate I, hours. <laughs> yeah, and I I did not care. No. But eventually I discovered that I had a really great singing voice. Yeah. And so like that really helped yeah. supplement for my lack of like caring about the, the clarinet. But yeah. I really, yeah. Yeah. It was I, a terrible time in my life. Yeah. I love and care so much about music. Um, but I think just as a, when I was a kid, I was just so distracted and like so ADHD about everything. I was just happy to like just be anywhere with, you know, do, making any kind of music. So I never really like practiced diligently or like had anyone to force me to practice. Um, but I did care about it. I, we always, like in high school, we learned a lot about, you know, music theory and history and stuff like that that I appreciate music theory is the worst for me like that is literally what turned me off Mm -hmm. against being like going into singing like I just like yeah yeah and what what sucks about it is that music theory is really hard to kind of get a hold on and grasp but the, the small things that you do kind of have a grasp on it helps you so much it literally is like magic when you learn like the circle like just little little things like the circle of fifths you know just like uh you know having kind of acronyms for uh different scales just little things like that and different kind of theories it's just like every good boy does fine yeah stuff like that i'm just (laughs) like oh my god but um yeah so whiplash um 
I really liked this movie because I think it did articulate a lot of um, art school professor sensibilities. Um, it's not like it, it's um, there's a, a correct way to teach or like a morally poor way to bully someone into being a good artist. Um, I think every professor just has to kind of decide for themselves where where to draw the line. Um, but yeah, yeah, more people, more people need symbols thrown at them, I think. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Like Fletcher says, like, I was there to push people beyond what's expected of them. Like, right. Yep. Fletcher mm-hmm. was like trying to save us from the culture of narcissism mm-hmm. and the, dimish- the, the diminishing expectations that people have towards art. Like he wanted, he expected greatness and like he saw greatness. Yes. Yeah. And his expectations are so high and on so uh, unable to be satisfied. It forces the students to kind of go beyond and yeah, what they even can imagine uh, for themselves and the talent and um, physical and mental um, ability and, and, you know, athleticism that they think they have. Um, so I really liked that part of it. Um, I will, I will say kind of on the other side of the coin, um, a lot of, cause there's been cases of this, I think, my friend told me about this. There was a case like in Chicago where Mm. a lot of um, big, uh, you know, uh, famous and well-esteemed art schools um, that are uh, very, very highly uh, aspired to kind of do have connections with, you know, the Steppenwolf Theater Company or like a lot of um, art institutions that young people aspire to. Is it DePaul? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it was like DePaul or UIC or something. Um, But yeah, a lot of these uh, interns that work at like Steppenwolf and stuff, you know, they're like DePaul students or whatever. Um, And I can definitely see a case where you are in a place of power and you're just able to um, take out your pathologies on the students because they're so willing to do anything. Um, right. but, but that's kind of what I was missing from this movie because I was like, why is he such an insanely strict, like egalitarian professor? Like he's right. such a insanely intense, uh, teacher. I wanted to kind of know, like, if there a pathological reason, like, did he have his dreams crushed at an early age or like something like that? You right. know, I really was kind of missing that because, um, JK Simmons is like, an amazing performer he's but so good he's good but i wanted a little more um like dynamic with his background also amazing arms incredibly ar- incredible oh arms. my god <laughs> so hot really hot him and that him in that black tight shirt and it's... black tight pants like oh my god he was so hot in this movie i was just i like, mean right uh, i think like that must be like a problem of like damien Chazelle. Mm-hmm. The, the writer and director of Whiplash. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like that oh, must yeah. be like a plot hole that he had, where he was like, or maybe he like he did it by purpose. Like he was like, I don't want, I want people to come to it to their own conclusions. Like what could have caused mm-hmm. uh, Fletcher to be this man? But also like maybe he's like, uh, you know, there's no reason for why. Fletcher should be this way you know Mm -hmm. like there's no moral reason for it yeah 
And I mean, uh, Fletcher also like has a lot of anecdotes about like some of the great uh, jazz musicians that uh, mm. went on to become what they are because they were so downtrodden and then beaten down by the world and uh, by their teachers um, because they had like shit thrown at them and stuff. Yeah, Charlie Parker. Yeah, Charlie Parker. Um, but I um, I feel like the also kind of subtextually because I'm like a nerd and I love jazz um, is that like. Uh, these, uh, you know, musical genres and styles, you know, traditionally come out of the African-American cultural tradition and mm-hmm. are able to reach these uh, levels of uh, just go beyond over and uh, over beyond what we can ever imagine for, our, for ourselves artistically and intellectually. Um, because they come out of these cultures that um, are so have been, you know, traditionally very oppressed and like downtrodden. Mm. Um, And you can kind of uh, see that uh, tradition uh, carried through in uh, some of these uh, music teachers when they're being extremely strict, because it makes me think about like all the early, like John Coltrane, like all of these early, uh, you know, jazz and blues musicians that probably had a lot of shit thrown at them on stage and stuff. Right. And uh, their music was, you know, typically kind of embodied like this, like hopelessness and sadness and their longing for uh, the future. Um, And I mean, this is something that um, uh, what's his face talks a lot about. Uh, It'll come to me anyways, that 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 jazz music kind of embodies the courage of hopelessness, basically, is what I'm trying to say, being being uh, courageous and approaching uh, the future with acknowledging that, um, you know, uh, you are uh, kind of, uh, you know, downtrodden and uh, oppressed in some way. Um, that, right. makes you, that makes you stronger at the end. Well, and human will is so important to this film. Yeah. Like the way that Miles Teller like goes from a car accident to then being like, I'm gonna go and try to perform in this competition, like. I just, I, I mean, I could never, it, I could it, never. It, it brought me back to like a lot of uh, times when I was like, just my college days when I was like running around campus and like trying to impress my professors and my peers and trying to balance and juggle like five different assignments and um, duties at one time. And literally like wondering if I'm going to have a heart attack because I was like so dead. I was like so dedicated to proving uh, to myself and others that I could go above and beyond uh, what I thought was capable of like a human being, basically. Right. But then like Fletcher says, like the key is to just relax. Like he says that early on in the film. Yeah. And it's like when when you are an artist and you're trying to like really deliver, like it's so difficult to relax Mm -hmm. (laughs) because all you care about is delivering. Delivering and the the craftsmanship and, you know, performing well. Um, But if you think about like some of the greatest artists, I mean, everyone, it just comes out of them with like little to no, uh, you know, st- stress levels being perceived, you know, right. some of the, I mean, I, I know like, obviously, yes, like um, people have been talking about uh, Norm McDonald uh, dying oh, this past week. RIP. RIP to Norm, but um, 
when he tells jokes, it's such a matter of fact kind of sensibility that comes mm-hmm. out of him. It's just like he he doesn't even look like he's trying or stressing he out was, about it. He was so good in <laughs> Billy Madison. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, like whenever you see him on uh, screen, it's just like, oh, this just seems like so natural. Like it's a gift from the gods. essentially. Yes. Yeah, especially that interview that he did with on the View. That's so funny. <laughs> yes, it's he's perfect. like I thought. I thought. I thought it was just like public opinion. Like yeah, it's a matter of knowledge. public, re- public record. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, the but I mean, the best artists just like make it look easy, and either you have it or you don't, and you need to kind of refine your um your skill set that you already um, have and your potential that you have. And I think people um, like young people are so easily um, uh, at, uh, you know, they're very vulnerable to becoming cynical so quickly. Um, So yeah, I think there's a lot lot to be said um, for encouraging people to um, keep going and keep pushing. uh, Even if you feel like, the whole world is against you and you know nothing ever is going to really hit you know I think there's something to be said of like you know keep keep going even if nothing ever happens at least like you did something or you tried and you didn't just like recede into cynicism and hopelessness right Um, yeah there's something there is something to be said about like applying human will yeah you know I think that is worth something yeah, you know, mean, even if even yeah. even if you didn't achieve what you set out to do, like you tried. Yeah, and um, ultimately, yeah, that that is like such a, a Nietzschean concept is that we <laughs> we deserve to have will over our own destiny, and even if like the expected destiny doesn't come to fruition, the point is that we do have sort of we're very lucky um, in a lot of ways that we do have like the will to imagine a world beyond the current one that we exist in. Um, So obviously, yes, like you should not be cynical, like you should not like, and like, I think that's why, you know, I think like that, that's why, like, that's what I want to drive home with this podcast is like, there are a lot of, um, you know, you know, media and publication uh, institutions that kind of dedicate themselves to um, criticizing things and talking shit about things, um, which there's definitely room for. But I think there there's also room for um, imagination. Um, and, um, you know, thinking about like, okay, what if we can tell ourselves a different story beyond the, the one that we're currently telling ourselves and like downloading into our brains every day. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, but yeah, whiplash, uh, good. It didn't kind of blow me out of the water. Like it didn't like, I was like, this is a good movie. I did was incredible, but I, I did like it. Right. And, did, yeah. Do we know if this was Damien Chazelle's? This was Damien Chazelle's first big film, right? I think so. It made a huge like splash, kind of in the right. Press. And it was bef- it was before La La Land. Oh yeah. Oh, so he also directed La La Land. I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that was the thing. Was like he always something that I noticed this time was that he always has like 
a scene down the road in the character's trajectory where like they meet up in a jazz club <laughs> like oh, that happened at the end of la la right. land and it, that's right and it all also happened at the end of whiplash or towards the end where like yeah. fletcher and andrew meet and they talk about like how they feel their feelings towards each other um wow yeah I, he must love he must love jazz oh <laughs> uh, uh, my man i love that um I really liked how in the movie, the uh, Miles Teller's character kind of starts to embody uh, the sensibility of his professor. So he starts kind of alienating everyone else in his life and says like, he, you know, he basically rejects yes. the, the girlfriend. Like, we can't hang out. Like, I have to study, you know, the drums and like, I can't, you know, <laughs> we, we can't, uh, you know, hang out basically. Yes. Did you also have like a visceral reaction to the blood that was being shed while they like played the drums? Cause like, I was like, oh my God, like I was like feeling the pain that Miles Teller and all the other drummers were feeling when they were like being forced to drum continuously. Yeah. And I, I mean, it brought me back to like playing the cello and like my fingers basically callous, like having calluses <sighs> on them and like being like really sore um, but also, I mean, um, kind of also made me think about, um, when I was in college and we were rehearsing past midnight and I had to like be up at like seven 30 the next morning for a class or something. Um, and thinking about how painful that was, um, that, but yeah, just basically the bounds of, uh, the human will when pitted against, you know, incredible physical adversity. Um, it's just about mind over matter. Like humans can like achieve incredible feats of athleticism uh, exactly e- even when they're like shut it there was uh an uh incident where um my college did uh 12 nights um beautiful and uh <laughs> One of the one of the actors fell through a platform <gasps> during a performance, and it was actually kind of funny because he literally fell through the platform, and then he was like hanging on by his hands, still doing a, a monologue. And oh. um, I mean, I don't know what kind of like wood or like infrastructure, like, but I, he basically <laughs> was just like I don't know what was what materials we made the set out of, but he was like hanging by his uh, arms and had to pull himself up at the same time there was like uh, a plant that was falling down uh, a giant staircase it was just a disaster but it was the best because he just kept going <laughs> and everything right, was, well, yeah it was fine in the end but it was just during the uh, during the performance I was like oh god he's gonna die well, <laughs> and that's what like we we crave for in live performances these like human moments mm-hmm. which like you know, as artists, like we're trying to avoid, but like, you know, th- that's what, like, that's what makes live performance exciting is that like anything could happen. Uh, anything could happen. Someone could pass out. Someone could vomit. Like I've, re- right. I've, 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 I've definitely like seen, like pe- I've seen it all. I've been in like shows where like people are like sick or like thinking that they're going to like fall like faints or like they were vomiting b- backstage and just like all this shit that happens, but they kind of push through and um, kind of succeed their own expectations because their mental will is so powerful. And you could literally, it's weird. It's weird and spooky, like the ways that you can uh, 
literally will yourself to like not be um, sick or it just like makes me think, can I, can I meditate myself out of getting COVID? Can I like, will I gotta do Can I have the mental will to never be sick? Cause um, I mean, there, there is like studies on this. Like if you kind of have like a mental uh, will that's strong, you can kind of um, uh, meditate on something to uh, make your body like push through some kind of sickness or something. I don't know. Yes. Well, and that reminds me of like when I was reading Detransition Baby, like the character Reese like has a fascination with that guy that would like plunge himself into cold water and like do all these yeah. breathing exercises. Yeah, I was gonna say like that that stupid uh, goop guy that was on yeah, that he- goop. No. <laughs> <laughs> that guy that was on goop. Yeah. Yes, and like he like was able to assert his will over like those elements. And I'm like, that is so inspiring and mm-hmm. like so good for your skin. Oh my God. It's so good for your skin. It's kind of like the mommy dearest thing. Like when she puts her face yes. in the, the water, that's really good for your, like all, it's a classic model trick. Like you have to put your face I mean, in the, the water. <laughs> the I've water. been so stressed recently that I've been like having to like, like shower in cold water because like I'm starting to break out and I'm like trying to mitigate <laughs> the the level of expression of these of these zits like, I'm, I'm so stressed I'm starting to get um back knee and I never get Ugh. acne on my back but I'm like so like maybe it's just from like partying too much but I, I'm just like where did this come from like I just, maybe it's like getting older but I'm just like no is this disgusting well good thing it's supposed no. to be <laughs> We're supposed to be in our prime, Maddie. I know, like- I know, <laughs> I know. Oh, but but I but I was um, gonna say on the subject of willing yourself out of physical adversity. Um, I think on maybe some sort of weird metaphysical plane. I almost wonder if this is something that's to be applied politically, um, because when you think about like the COVID crisis and the um, amount of time we spend thinking about COVID, being afraid of COVID, telling ourselves uh, the mental story that it's something that could kill us potentially, um, you can only uh, imagine that this probably wills massive massive amounts of the populace to convince themselves that they are um, sick of covid or to um, basically uh, convince themselves to uh, be fall victims of of covid even if maybe they were never um, vulnerable to be getting covid in the first place I, I i almost wonder if people are talking themselves into giving getting covid sometimes right um obviously i don't i don't mean that in like the literal sense but i almost wonder if we kind of tell ourselves these stories that convince us um that um these things are more powerful than we are you know right like if you if you come into it with a failure mindset like yeah it's like that's what they tell you on tests like yeah when you take a test like you already like convince yourself that you're gonna fail like yeah. you're gonna fail the test that's what that's why i <laughs> that's why i was like so drawn to miss sherman in mm-hmm. fame yeah she was like she was like you don't know how to read uh Leroy (laughs) and she did it out and she did it in front of everybody yeah I was like oh my god like that that terrible pedagogy like yeah 
but she but you know maybe she lit a fire under Leroy's ass I don't know well I mean she kind of did because there's that scene where like he's like smashing the fucking uh, glass and stuff and he gets really mad so dramatic it's very dramatic and then there's like a scene of him sitting down and trying to read the ads um on like yes. newspaper. i was so sad it made me want to cry um yes but i mean you could see how that can light a fire under someone's ass to inject sort of some kind of determinism into them at the least yeah 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 i um, loved i also loved how in um in whiplash he said like when they were fighting over like who's gonna do the part fletcher Mm -hmm. was like it's my part to lend to you that was so funny to me that that is funny yeah that that's true yeah that that is true um but that that really puts like the director the conductor at a very like hierarchical place which like my Anne Bogart self is very much like, fuck the hierarchy. <laughs> right. Yeah. The the student becomes the master at some point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And the student becomes the master like in like life and history in some way. Like right. for it's better like or worse. The, <laughs> yeah. the student determines the legacy that you have left behind. Yeah, basically. Um yeah, that's that's a lot on it's a lot on the master, definitely. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, I I really liked it. I do you have any like embar- embarrassing like stories from like school or anything? Like no, because like <laughs> I when I, the school that I went to yeah. had a very strong graduate program. And so like that was the main focus. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. You know, so like I was kind of lucky in that sense because like I was able to like uh, float under yeah the like the the main yeah you know I was able and I was able to like gain from it from what I wanted and you know I was never really that interested in performance I mean I I perform here and there but like yeah really what I was interested in was like history and like uh, why playwrights do what they do. I guess and so like that was kind of where I situated myself but I was certainly a performance major but right yeah (laughs) I didn't I didn't have I didn't have those moments yeah definitely I mean um I mean I had a very positive uh art school experience I feel bad for like these uh art school um kids that kind of come out the other end uh, resenting their um college experience but I had a really good experience uh in which you know our professors were very appropriate in giving us just amount of freedoms and just amount of uh, restrictions and limitations and uh things that were expected to us that we had to abide by or else <laughs> punishment or yeah not punishment but you'll just suffer the consequences if they were right yeah you know. um and also Actually- yeah Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, oh no. I was just going to say, I mean, I had a, I didn't go to like a fancy like conservatory or anything. I just a very small, teeny tiny art school in the middle of Virginia. So yeah. <laughs> I actually do have a story. Oh, great. The, 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 the subconscious. So it's, it's all coming like, up. It's all coming exactly. back. Exactly. <laughs> it's a very fun home moment. I like 
had I was cast in a show and my director is very obsessed with the words which like now that I'm looking back on it I'm like really taken aback by it but he was like if you do not I didn't do the research like I was a piece of shit Mm-hmm. And I didn't do the research and on um, what the words meant. And I, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what the words meant. And he was like, do not in front of everybody come to rehearsal and not know what the words mean. It's so true. The research it, it really is. It's so true. The re- that was something that also, I also had that uh, experience of you like came into a rehearsal and you didn't know like a definition of like um, maybe one word they'd be like, you know, this is unacceptable. You didn't even do your research. Like what, how are you supposed to embody this character or know anything about the story if you didn't like research? <laughs> right. But History. now, I re- but now I repudiate against that right. because like, I, I see that like beyond the word, there's much more to a play than just language. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so much to be um, discussed and like analyze and you can like literally analyze a play or anything like all, all day. And there's not really any kind of like right or wrong morally necessarily, but um, there's just like so many ways to put like analyze um, things from all different sort of perspectives. Um, I have one. Right, it's, uh, <laughs> really ju- it's really just how you want, how the director wants to right, insert the will on the play. Yeah, yeah what their vision is. Um, I have one more story. It's kind of, uh, it's not really necessarily art related, but we, my, in my program, we did do sort of a quote unquote, like study abroad. Uh, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> it was like, okay, so it was two weeks in London. We did a couple master classes, <laughs> nice. but honestly, the rest of the time was dedicated to us just running around London and doing whatever the fuck we wanted. Beautiful. And it was so much fun. Um, I loved it. It, it was the best. Um, and we what so one night something that was very novel obviously uh, to me about this trip was that we were all sort of between the ages of like uh 18 and 20 21 maybe mm-hmm. and um none of us could not all of us together could legally drink in the states but obviously when we were in london like the legal drinking age is 18 you can walk around in public and drink in public so that was very novel to us, um, especially so we were just excited to like go bar hopping, go into pubs and stuff. And this one girl, it was her birthday. So we all had this one night where we went to this pub and just got shit faced. Um, and I got so drunk. I probably had like five Stella Artois and then a couple of uh, Jack and Coke's baby. Um, uh-huh. It was so much fun. Um, but obviously uh like i'm small and feeble and like vulnerable so i um i did we we did walk back to the hostel and i did start vomiting and i vomited all over uh, my my dress my hair and okay i don't know if you've ever been to europe the bathrooms are so the bathrooms are so tiny and we were in a hostel so it basically was this bathroom was the size of like my my desk is just like so just like basically this mat was like tiny shower with only you know you could barely turn around so mm-hmm. um i have to i obviously when you're throwing up and you're in this vulnerable state you have to have some, a buddy with you to guide you along so um my boyfriend at the time obviously who's now my fiance Cute. <laughs> he, he, he was assisting me and since i threw up all over my hair i had to um, be showered uh, and 
he basically took off my clothes, threw me in the shower, washed my hair. And like, for, like, like an old woman who's like 95 and like senile and cannot like, <laughs> he was, and like, whenever we talk about this, he was like, it's, it was just so sad. You were just like, you couldn't, you didn't have any cognitive abilities. Like, <laughs> so he's like washing, washing my hair, like sadly. Um, and then he had to like dress me. He put a camisole on me and like yoga pants on me. And the next morning I felt amazing. Like, obviously I was like 20 years old. So I could just like wake up the next day, like nothing happens. And everybody was like, Oh, how's your night? I'm like, oh, it was just so much fun. I just like went out and, and then I got, I guess I threw up or whatever. I don't know. It was fun. Um, so <laughs> it was just, that was just a crazy, crazy night. Cause that was just like the day where I was just like, wow. Cause I, I thought I was going to die, but I didn't. And, um, I had to like be bathed like an old woman. <laughs> and that, and that fed the the idea of like fame i'm gonna live i'm gonna i'm literally gonna live forever nothing can tear me down like i'm invincible would you want to live forever no i would not want that that would be horrible like i'm not like these kind of like that's such a i feel like that's such a weird like rich person mentality where they have to it really is because if you have to kind of defer your coming to terms with your own mortality, you know, what is there left to uh, value? You can't really value anything if there's not sort of a precarity mindset around it. Um, so I just like wonder about like these like rich people who like seem like they have everything going for them and there's essentially no last bastion of precarity uh, for them to um, be excited about. Um, it makes me feel insane. <laughs> so right. I'd rather Not- live like crazy and then die, whatever, live fast to die young or whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, truly, yeah, I'd rather like have a good life and not, you know, live me, you know, until like the normal person. <laughs> I think, but what's great about like fame, the song, yes, and like, right, is that they have this, they, they, I think what they're talking about is like, they have this art that they leave behind that el- right the, yes the, the apollonian sort yes. of like way ability to like lay leave behind their art yes and like yeah. yes in that regard i would love to live forever yeah like but, a, le- a legacy you leave behind like some kind of um like invention or um, right just a, a legacy i guess yeah yeah and like to be somebody remembered to, by <laughs> yes somebody needs to start transcripting these podcasts because like when civilization disintegrates like n- there's gonna like these podcasts are gonna go to are gonna go to shit yeah i mean you could also make the argument that everything that has been the most influential has is largely uh left around to the unrecognized and uncanonized like even like when I was talking about the all of the great house music that came out of the 70s and 80s you don't really there's no kind of like central language to um, talk about how influential no one really talks about it it's not really canonized because uh, everything is very decentralized um and now like when you go to liberal arts school and like you learn about media studies it's like I guess it's like that Polly quote where she's like, oh, I guess now media studies is like 
reading Twilight, reading Heidegger, putting it together and like thinking about how they relate to each other. Um, so right, yeah. there's no grand narrative anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, you you kind of pick and choose what you uh, most identify with because it's um, it's so neutralized and you, you could literally make a case for anything. Um, well, but- I guess I better I guess I better get to work on my. <laughs> On my yeah. Norman fucking Rockwell, Lana Del Rey decadent art. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's right now. And it's like, uh, and now I will uh, piece together my MFA pro- proposal on Lana Del Rey. Because you know that's what people are doing. Definitely. I'm not going yes, to knock gonna do, it. Yeah. I'm going to do it really well. No, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to write the Lana Del Rey, Norman fucking Rockwell decadent book. Yeah, that, born like, to die. She, yes, that shows how she was really giving us prophetic warnings and how like she is in the long tradition of of like Oscar Wilde and yeah, definitely. you know of people who were like showing us that like decadence is great, but it's also like a warning of like things to come. Yeah, it's like and a that people warning. And, yeah, yeah, and that people should people should heed it, not ignore it. Yeah. I also think Lana is like totally like disregarded as like a major feminist, even though she said like I'm not a even though she said I'm not a feminist. I'm like a I'm like a I'm I'm bored by feminism, but mm-hmm. like that she's like more interested in the cosmos. Like that to me was a major step in the right direction for feminism because like mm-hmm. clearly feminism has lost its way if if it's not thinking about like why why women are the way they are and men are the way they are yeah it's sort of politically impotent if yes. it doesn't have any kind of uh, biological context and it's sort of downloaded as this uh, exercise in uh like white hot individualism um and doesn't have sort of any historical or regard for um the celebrations of differences between men and women um and now it's yes. yeah it's become like this um yeah I just I don't even know if like we're in like the fourth wave I will say though I'm excited that I'm I'm glad I agree with you that she's going in a great um direction in terms of her legacy because she's offline essentially becoming more and more offline she deleted her Instagram which I really um commend her for doing so <laughs> Yeah, seriously. And I, it says a lot about her influence and her uh, fandom because um, whenever she, um, you know, drops something, people do rise to the occasion um, and, uh, you know, a- arrive um, at whatever she's putting out, uh, even if she's not kind of like posting about it or anything. So, um, yeah, I think it says a lot about like her kind of uh, artisanship. Yes. Um, do you have anything else to say about fame or whiplash? Um, I would say, yeah, I definitely recommend fame as a movie. It was really, it's really fun to watch and I really enjoyed it. it. Yeah. I would Uh, recommend whiplash for JK Simmons, uh, biceps. (laughs) He looks looks really good. Also what happened to Miles Teller? Like, is Um, he okay? Uh, so he's 
just hasn't really had a lot of luck, I feel like, in his career. And Aww. he's supposed to be, um, he was in a couple of uh, movies and TV shows that didn't perform very well um, because Damn. nobody really watches movies or TV, but also because um, he is, they already filmed the Top Gun movie um, and he's basically yes. leading it, but um, they filmed it in like 2018 and the studio has postponed the releasing of this movie like longer and it was supposed to come out in like 2019 um but they the studio postponed it to 2020 then COVID happened I mean people things have just been backfiled so so far like there's so many things that we may never see because of COVID um but yeah that's wild it is weird but I feel bad for Miles Teller I hope that Top Gun comes out and it performs well because he's really cute (laughs) yeah and I like I like his like raspy voice yeah, he is. Very, he does have a very unique voice, definitely, and he's got those like um, cool like uh, scars because I think he was in some kind of accident in his childhood. <laughs> oh my god! There's like scars on his like face and neck and stuff, and it makes him look very battered and like beaten. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> that's all I have to say too. Okay. Um, um, good luck, Maddie. Good luck, Josh. Good luck. Good luck.